Hey guys, it's Drew. Tom and Chi Granville is back with some impressive meal deals. Here's what you can look forward to if you stop by and get cheesy. If you're always searching for the kids' menu, look no further than Tom and Chi, where kids under 12 eat free from 4 to 8 p.m. every Tuesday. Or enjoy half-off grilled cheese donuts every Wednesday from 4 to 8 p.m. And if you download the free Tom and Chi app, pop in every Thursday and get $3 classic grilled cheese sandwiches. Tom and Chi is also proud to support Chia. I think that's how I say it. A locally made vegan cheese that tastes so good, cows are starting to get jealous. Find Tom and Chi on 44th Street in Granville near Cabela's. This is Paul S. Kemp, creator of Angle Nix, and I am close, personal, sexy time friends with the Court of Nerds. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Court of Nerds. I'm Captain Dick Sledge, which is off over on the East Coast somewhere. And with me is my friend Granthony, who is fighting off bears in the Great North. Bears, hey, bears, and aggressive children. I'd, they're just, they just want to do things all the time. They both want to go down slides. I'm assuming. They both want to go down fucking fair slides, and all Daddy wants to do is read a comic or two. That's all. Anyway, uh, great story, Grant. So uh, <laughs> I am running the show for some reason. Uh, and so I am going to start us off with, uh, the four pillars of nerdity, uh, the gaming section. And so I'm going to start us off with a little, uh, sexy story, uh, that <laughs> involves a company called Sony. Uh, have you heard of this company, uh, Grant? Yes, in, in passing. I think passing. They, they make televisions, correct? Uh, they also used to make the, the Vio. <gasps> Uh, and Ericsson phones. No. Yeah. But they also, there, there's this little tiny side project that is the the Sony Computer Entertainment System, mm. the, the, the PlayStation. Ooh, sounds cool. Uh, on the 22nd of May, uh, they, they went out and said, hey, this is what we got for the future. Uh, it's been about six years uh, between the first generation of PlayStation 4. Uh, when it came out back in 2013. Oh, wow. Uh, that timetable, uh, you know, is just about ready to expire. Uh, the CEO, uh, John Codera, reportedly said at a corporate strategy meeting today that the PlayStation 4 is entering a final phase of its <laughs> life cycle. And the reporter for the Wall Street Journal, via Variety, confirmed this. Codera also reportedly said Sony plans to launch more PlayStation exclusives and beef up its line of first-party titles with new IPs, sequels to previously standalone titles, reboots and refreshes of existing IPs. Wank, wank, wank. Sony has told more than has sold more than 73 million PlayStation 4 consoles uh, since its launch in November of 2013. More than double of its main rival, Microsoft, and its Xbox One. Jeez. Or it's least we can speculate because Microsoft stopped reporting numbers at about two years in and really started hadn't releasing numbers and still they started winning again, which was in quarter three of last year, quarter four of last year and quarter one of this year. And that is largely part in due to the release of the Xbox one X, uh, the almost twice as powerful console of the PlayStation four pro. Anyway, despite its rival's upgrade, the PlayStation 4 and the PlayStation Pro Plur games continue to easily outsell the competition. 
helped by the far bigger collection of ongoing exclusives, whereas Microsoft has come under major fire for the lack of them. Even so, signs are that the sales are slowing down of the hardware, with only 19 million PlayStation 4 consoles sold in the fiscal year of 2017, down by 20 million the previous year. The company now expects to sell 16 million this year. And let me tell you, that is actually being very generous because I actually read they'll probably only get about 10. Jeez. Uh, uh, games sold for the console increased from from nearly 218 million to about 247 million this past fiscal year. Now, that is an important reminder because the profitability isn't in the hardware, folks. The profitability is in the software. All right. And so they increased their software sales by about 30 million. All right. That that's huge. However, it's not all, you know, rainbows and lollipops. Uh, additionally, it was revealed that the PlayStation VR and the PlayStation View are reportedly performing well below market expectations due to a, quote, harder than expected competition, <laughs> quote. Sony has previously stated that there will be no new hardware announcements at E3. And so what we're looking at is essentially PlayStation 5 in the fall of 2020. Uh, Microsoft is kind of gave hints that the Xbox two or whatever the hell they're going to call it will also be in the fall of 2020. Uh, as far as PlayStation VR goes, I mean, do you own one grant? No. <laughs> do you know anybody that owns one? Uh, no, I, I, I don't think I do. I know two people that own them. The first person sold theirs, uh, within a month of getting it. And the second person wanted to sell theirs, but nobody would buy it from him. Wow. Uh, it's, let's be honest, when they when they say harder than expected competition, uh, they're referencing Oculus or any of the others. But let's just be honest, uh, people aren't going to buy a VR headset if there aren't games for it. And if the games that you have for it <laughs> look like shit, uh, which is what, I mean... We all love Skyrim, right? Oh, absolutely. Skyrim on the PSVR is terrible. <laughs> that is just a dichotomy that shouldn't exist. It's it's just incredible how VR is kind of quickly falling by the wayside as far as hardware sales, even with like cheaper things like uh, the new Oculus that came out for only 200 bucks. And today, Verizon started selling the Samsung Gear VR for $30. Whoa. Last year, they were selling it for 200 That's bananas. $30. Uh, so anyway, uh, that is your little bit of Sony news. Did that stimulate you? That just depressed me. I didn't know the, if it was struggling that much, but geez. Well, I... the, 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 PlayStation, uh, the PlayStation itself is not. Like, Sony is doing fine. Uh, they are roundly beating the competition, as long as you consider Microsoft being their only competition. Let's not consider <laughs> Nintendo. Oh, Nintendo. Man, did they prove me wrong. Uh, so, moving on from the video gaming news segment, I am going to talk some tabletop gaming news. Well, tabletop gaming adjacent. Okay. Uh. 
Games Workshop, a company you might, I might personally know fairly well, <laughs> uh, is rolling out a new line of kid-friendly Warhammer adventures. These are books, you know, uh, things that you read with your eyes uh, and not watch with your eyes. You actually read them. You know, and they tell you a story. Or read them with your fingers if you are fluent in Braille. Uh, to, no false advertising games work. Black Library does not produce gra- Braille books. Wow. They do produce audiobooks, so you could listen to them with your ears. <laughs> uh, we're moving off topic. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the line is aimed at preteens with the aim of introducing them to the Warhammer 40,000 and the Sigmar universes. Uh, Here's a two-cent summary coming out of Nottingham. Quote, Warhammer Adventures is a series of action-packed stories about brave heroes battling monstrous enemies and winning great victories against impossible odds in the far future of Warhammer 40,000 and the fantasy realms of Warhammer Sigmar. End quote. Uh, Warhammer Adventure stories are perfect for bookworms age 8 through 12 who want to read about heroes, aliens, and monsters. There'll be shops online for them uh, in 2019, so keep an eye out for them. Uh, As you can imagine, the well-adjusted, erudite, literary player communities embraced the idea wholeheartedly and enthusiastically looked forward to meeting the next generation of players to our beloved pastime. Wait, uh, hmm. That's, That's not what happened. Exact opposite? Yeah, that's what I'm. That's exactly what I meant to say. It oh. was the opposite. Uh, you see, the Cheeto-fingered, phallically challenged gaming masses stormed out of their mother's basements and logged into their family computer because they are saving up for that super sweet gaming rig that they'll never be able to build, and they registered their disgust and directed it fully at the authors who have written the books that they love. Uh, New York Times best-selling author Aaron Dembski Bowden saw about enough of that and hit back at the shriveled scrotums that pilot human husk and think they have a right to decide who gets to enjoy Warhammer. Uh, Seriously, like, looking at all the, like, Graham McNeil and everybody that came to the defense and stuff like that, it was was great to see the authors take a stand against, uh, essentially, what is, you know, internet trolls that are also real-life trolls. We've seen everything from brand dilution, pearl clutching, to what about the childrenism, to kids can't handle the truth, to tut-tutting. It only gets more ridiculous and ludicrous from there. I swear some people need just to back off the keyboard and to go outside. I mean, it's, it's kind of nice out right now. Uh, as you would expect, almost everyone who works in the industry was aghast and fought back against these stupid with a sword and shield to defend the earth-shattering ideas of marketing toy soldiers to very slightly younger audiences. Uh, if you did a survey of 40k box games from the last 20 years, you found that the age rating was 8 plus to 12 plus. Uh, this is simply a way to offer the 8 to 12 crowd some literature specifically aimed at them. Games Workshop has done some comic books over the years with many serious readers who enjoy real novels, think that they are juvenile. Uh, count me amongst some of those masses. Like, I don't necessarily like the Iron Will comics all that much. Uh, that's not to say I don't buy them, because of, <laughs> cor- because of course I buy them. Uh, but it's, it's, you know, not my cup of tea. Uh, but here's the thing. If you enjoy any of the universes that Games Workshop produces, 
uh, particularly 40K, which is my my love. My whole goal uh, when working for the company is to get more people involved in the the products that we sell. And so why would I try to alienate a crowd when I could go for that crowd? If that means I get rid of all the boobs and stuff from all the, you know, the Slaneshi models and stuff like that, and I try to tone down some of the gore and bloodshed, then so be it, you know, get them, get them hooked when they're young, and then you can introduce them to that stuff later. Anyway, there's my two cents. Well, that makes sense. I've never subscribed to the fact when, like, a core fan base is furious with the product itself trying to reach a larger market. Uh, it also kind of ties into the Court of Nerds private chat we've been having about the the new Thundercats roar and how <laughs> yeah, and how our generation is all butts butthurt over the fact that it's being adapted for a newer generation to fit their needs. And this this whole Warhammer. Uh, YA stuff is just a perfect exemplification of that. I'm sad that you guys have to go through all this this teeth gnashing for nothing. Well, and it's like, again, you're going to alienate. We we deal so much in, whether it's in stores and, uh, you know, around the gaming table and stuff like that. Uh, the guys, like, dissuading other people from playing the game. Uh, you know, Because you want to get, whether it's kids... Or, or women, you know, to in with the hobby because it, it is a very male-dominated hobby. And so if you if you put these types of things out there, you're trying to bring them in to make it more diverse and more inclusive and therefore grow the brand. Uh, these types of people, they're ruining the brand, uh, and it's not their brand to begin with. They don't, they don't get to dictate that. Uh, I could go into some some greater stories of some of the trials and tribulations I've had over the years, but I will spare that. That is probably for a, a Mr. Sledge's neighborhood. Or an, uh, Mr. Sledge's after hours. Oh, my God. I can cuss up a storm there. All right. Uh, so that's what I have for gaming. What do you have next, Grant? I have a couple comic things I thought were of interest this week. Uh, the first thing I definitely wanted to hit on is a couple weeks ago, I reviewed Isola number one and then... I was lucky enough to interview Brendan Fletcher and Carl Kirschel on uh, The Court of Nerds. And back then I said, this book is amazing. I think it's going to be one of those landmark, fascinating books that everyone's going to love. And so far, it seems like I might not be a moron. Uh, what? I know. No one's more surprised than I am. <laughs> the first issue is going to its third printing. Second issue is in its second printing. And things don't seem to be dying down. This is fantastic. Uh, there have been... On Reddit, I love reading about what the Image Comics subthread thinks about this book. And people are banding around that Isola might be the new saga. Which is... that's You can't predict that kind of thing. It's a really grand uh, statement to make. But, man, I hope it's true. That book is I'll just so good. How much breastfeeding will there be in Isla? Uh, I hope more, because right now there's <laughs> zero, and I would like at least five times that amount. <laughs> Sorry, I was referencing the controversy about you know in Saga the you know a mother actually feeding her child. But anyway, I interrupted. Go on. Oh no, it, the nerd community is just. I feel like we could just have a whole separate podcast about 
the nerd community trying to ostracize everyone around it. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Isla, you, if you haven't read it, please, please go back and read it. And I also found out that you can read the Isla prologue on image.com for free. Or if you have been buying Motor Crush since the first issue, they put the prologue in the back of the Motor Crush issues. And I didn't realize that. Wait, wait. Okay. All right. Now I'll go back. Yeah. Uh, I I was on Reddit of all places again reading about Isola because, you know, that's what I do. And someone said something about the prologue being available still in print and on the website. I said, still in print? Where could I find this graphic novel? And they're like, oh, no, no. It's just in the back of the first couple Motor Crush arcs. And lo and behold, I go back and pull out Motor Crush and suddenly things make so much more sense, and I feel like such a dummy for not really sub- subscribing to it back then. Well, I mean, you shouldn't feel like a dummy. I mean, you are a dummy, but you shouldn't feel like <laughs> you sh- it. shouldn't feel like it. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, more stuff that makes Grant happy. Uh, the Hunt for Wolverine has an end in sight. Uh, it's called... Oh! Thank Christ. It's called The Hunt for Wolverine Dead Ends Number 1. And this is, of course, after the simultaneous four-issue miniseries that are currently going that talk about everything but Wolverine at this current point. Uh, (laughs) Who's guilty of buying those? Oh, my gosh. This guy. Oh, is it you for real? Well, didn't didn't you remember the pictures that I posted on the thread? Like, teasing you? And, And, like, I showed a picture... Of, of Wolverine, and you got all excited. Wait, wait, wait. He's back? And then you were like, is it a flashback? And I'm like, <laughs> well, yes, it is a flashback, but it's not as far as you think. Uh, <laughs> it's just so disappointing after the hunt for Wolverine number one was so good. But I'm hoping yep. that they wrap this up well. Uh, Charles Soule is, of course, writing it because he writes half of Marvel at this point. Uh, and the lineup for this book, it's all the people that you normally associate with Wolverine, like uh, Tony Stark, Daredevil. <laughs> uh, but thankfully, Kitty Pride and Sabretooth, which honestly, if it was just Kitty Pride and Sabretooth, I'd be pretty good with that. Yeah. Except, yeah. is Sabretooth still good at this point? No, uh, if you're, if Claws of the Killer, if you're reading that, which you're not. No. Um, he is. Uh, teamed up with Lady Deathstrike and uh, Wolverine's son, uh, Dakin. I do you know? like Dakin. Yeah, well, you, you know, you, so you like the, the claw underneath the, the hand? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I thought uh, he, he's, I, a, he's a really interesting character when handled well. <laughs> I'm just imagining him in puberty and him, like, discovering how to wank it and, and like, that could... Oh, man. Well, you have to assume that as soon as those popped out, his healing factor came in. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on! Moving on! Uh, The last bit of comic stuff I wanted to talk about is uh, two new costumes for DC heroines have been released recently. Uh, The other day, the new Supergirl costumes, plural, were released in uh, sci-fi.com on Sci-Fi Wire. The costumes designed by Jorge Jimenez are going to be used in... Oh, I still can't believe I'm saying this. There's going to be a Supergirl book drawn by Kevin Maguire. What? I know. What? <laughs> they put a couple pa- uh, pages up, 
and he draws Superman, he draws Supergirl, and it looks so good. Really? And, oh, Kevin, you got to check this shit out. It's so fantastic. Right. And uh, the the book is being drawn or written by Mark Andrico. I know I said that wrong, and I apologize because he's really good. He did the Love Is Love book the other year that was just such a fantastic uh, collection of stories that he edited for the Florida nightclub shooting. But uh, yeah, this book looks really interesting. There's four different costumes. There's the traditional uh, blue top, blue skirt, yeah, and like thigh high red boots. Then there is this strange suit that's like just red pants with black thigh high boots and like a sleeveless midriff hoodie with a with a hood yeah uh then there's that same weird kind of black and red ensemble with sleeves and a loincloth type thing i i, I i'm looking at these right now and i'm looking at it via gizmodo okay and uh like it kind of looks like a all right, I'm going to describe it. Think of a the blue Kryptonian like new 52 armor like suit cuz you got you see the different the piping. Like yeah, piping throughout it. All right, so it's all it's all blue, all right? She's got black gloves and then a black sleeve cut-off hoodie a la Bill Belichick. <laughs> all right? That has the has the the House of L logo on it in silver and then she's got a red cape that also is a bit of a sash that comes down and wraps around as a belt too that goes between her legs yeah it the whole sash thing seems a little bit busy to me but in the subsequent covers that are released one is by it looks like terry dodson yeah it looks that's a really i like that the way it's rendered there she looks angry in in the terry dots like like she is going to tear out somebody's heart yeah and this whole series is going to be taking place in space as she's trying to track down this whatever new person that bendis is trying to make superman's greatest villain (laughs) she's working on that but that's besides the point this is new costume talk so that's supergirl and then catwoman's costume by joelle jones was released today and have you had a chance to look at that one uh i i saw bits of it on uh twitter uh, but no, I, you go into detail. Yeah, it looks, they've completely ditched the Darwin Cook, like, uh, zip up cat suit with the goggles and stuff, which I, I liked. I wasn't a fan of how often artists portrayed the, the zipper all the way down to the navel because that well, does, why is the, that? The boobs are pushing the zipper down, man. Oh, for Pete's sake. You know, uh, it's, it, they're so big and voluptuous. That I mean, how it's spilling out. Uh, it it makes complete sense. That's how I think uh, most cat burglars should dress. You just yes. want everything hanging out. Uh, but this one is a lot more reminiscent of the Selena Kyle Batman Returns outfit, where mm-hmm. you can't tell if it's like that leather pleather material. Uh, it does have some weird seamage to it, and I it, they brought back a cowl, which I do like. I think a cowl is a good look for Catwoman. However. Yeah. I can't tell if this is just to allow for greater flexibility and movement with the suit, but it has like armpit windows and that oh. doesn't make too much sense to me. Ooh. I, yeah, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't go there. 
Yeah, it, it's. I just... mean, I mean, airing out your pits. I guess it gets hot in in leather, and so. I'm just trying to figure out if that, like, if that's the case, and it is allowing for greater uh, movement with her arms, then why don't they do the same thing with like her leg region too? Uh, I'm just imagining her as a cat grooming herself and like just going right in the pits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, like that that the whole like Batman Returns thing. If you've been reading the the past three Batman comics and stuff, where Booster Gold. I'm sorry, the Booster Gold comics where, <laughs> with, Batman. where with Batman in them. Uh, like the the alternate future Catwoman was literally that was the stitch together. You know, she only said meow, and then she murdered people. Uh, but uh, that's exactly that kind of look from, like, Batman Returns. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. I think it's going to work out pretty well. There's some high hopes for this book by Joelle Jones, and I'm cautiously optimistic. We'll say that. Uh, I had a bit of comic book news, and it just left me. Oh. And so, and so uh, we'll see if it comes back to me. Okay. Oh, yeah, it was something that Drew posted in the thread. Uh, somebody making a comment about the source wall being broken. I'm I'm sorry. Did I have I, have you read? Metal? Oh no, yeah, that was me. I posted that from the Scott right. Snyder interview. All right, yeah, and so the, and somebody like posted, and this has been my feeling the the entire time. Does this open the way for Superboy Prime? And his response was, "Well, now I got to look it up." He basically confirmed I, that that Superboy Prime will be coming. Coming back. And for me, that was, like, full release. Uh, I, I've made it known before, Superboy Prime is my favorite DC villain. All right? He is the baddest motherfucker that has ever been introduced. We're talking about a guy that took a, nucle- a lead nuclear rod and fed it to Sodom Yacht, who was Ion, you know, and jammed it down his throat. The most right. powerful Green Lantern on record. Yes, period. End of story. All right. And and since he is a, da- you know, Daxian, he like he's vulnerable to lead. And so like Superboy just fed it to him, like grabbed him by the throat and shoved it, you know, shoved it on down. Uh, it was one of the most like chilling moment moments for me from uh, Infinite Crisis, and it sort of sealed the deal for me about how bad... This is a guy that broke out of the Speed Force. You know, it took three flashes to push him into the Speed Force, and this guy broke out of it. All right? That is how badass Super, Super Man, well, Superman Prime yeah. is. Anyway... That, there's my addition to comics. Well, I, 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 the reason I'm fascinated with Superboy slash Man Prime is because he's Superman without the upbringing that he had. Like, <laughs> Superman could do all this crazy shit that he's doing, like break out of the Speed Force, but he would never be put into that position because he's not horrible. Well, it, but here's the thing. Like, super, if you go back to uh, Crisis of Infinite Earths, you know, where essentially he was introduced. Uh, he was under the tutelage of, uh, was it Super Superman? Uh, Earth uh, One Earth, Superman? Yeah, Earth One Superman. And, you know, that's when he was the Superboy to the, the Superman, you know, Earth mm-hmm. One. 
And, you know, that's where Lex put, you know, or I'm sorry, Alexander Luther, you know, pulled them out of reality and, uh, you know, had them in that little bubble where they were, you know, viewing the orrery of Earth. This is deep nerd, people. Oh, this is this is deep nerd. And so, like, he wasn't an evil guy. You know, he didn't start off. he, He was honestly very. I would almost say he was Jimmy Olsen like in his innocence, mm-hmm. you know, at first. And then once the, the reality of the situation and stuff hit him and when his Superman died, that's when he broke. And, you know, <laughs> where when he carved an S onto his own chest that was with, with kryptonite, that, you know, that 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 seals the deal for you. Mm hmm. Uh, and do you mind if I hit on one movie thing real quick? Absolutely. Go. Yeah. Uh, they've been releasing this new front-facing official picture of the Shazam suit with Zach oh, Levi. Oh, oh, yes. I like it a lot. I think they did a really good job getting it, looking at the details in it. It looks pretty damn good. We we talked about this a bit on the thread, too, didn't we? I think so, like, yeah. And I, I kind of mentioned, like, because it was a milk ad, was it not? No, uh, I think it's an ad where he is drinking something, but I'm not sure if it's milk. I thought it was. I thought he was drinking milk. Uh, if, if so, like, could you think of any other superhero oh where that would be more fitting? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, this is a chance for the DCEU uh, to make a lighthearted, you know, I, I don't necessarily want to say family friendly because I'm sure it'll be PG-13 still. Uh, but a a funny kind of awkward superhero movie with like the emphasis on the super and the emphasis on the hero, not so much any of the the darkness that is incorporated in any of the DCU EU films. Yeah, I think it was Drew that said this could be DC's Thor Ragnarok, and mm-hmm. this would that would that's a fantastic comparison. I hope it comes true. And one thing that I kind of keep forgetting about in this movie is that they cast Mark Strong as Dr. Savannah. And Mark <laughs> Strong is amazing. He's just, he, I feel bad for the guy because he's such a good villain. Uh, he was honestly one of the only things about the Green Lantern Ryan Reynolds movie that I liked. Oh, yeah. So now he's in his second DC <laughs> Universe movie. And, and Well, and here's the thing. Do you think he'll have kids? Do you think he'll have the twins? I don't know. I... I honestly have no idea how they're going to set this movie up. Oh, it would be uh, if they have Mr. Mind as the I know they are. I know they're already having the rock as Black Adam. Mm -hmm. But if Black Adam just appears at the end, you know, to set up the sequel and they have like something like Mr. Mind be the, the main villain, I would I would watch this movie 10 times over in the theater. It'd be it'd be. It would be fair, uh, probably even if it's bad, because they made the main supervillain a worm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's that's all the, uh, all the stuff I have this week. All right. Uh, I am going to, weirdly enough, talk about TV. Uh, Not just TV anymore. I... Well, let's be honest. What I'm what I'm gonna be talking about isn't really television because it's all streaming services. Yay. Uh, yeah, uh, and so uh, Black Panther and Creed star Michael B. Jordan is set to join the Ruby Creators Rooster Teeth's new series, Gen 
colon lock. Genlock? I think just Genlock. Genlock? Yeah, yeah, Genlock. All Sounds right, let's right. go with that. The actor will voice a hero of the futuristic anime-style series. The story sees Earth's last free society on the losing side of a global war. Jordan's Julian Chase joins the fight as the first pilot for the next generation of Mecha, a class of giant weaponized robots controlled by humans. Jordan's production company, Outlier Society Productions, is set to co-produce. The series is created, written, and directed by Gary G. Haddock. No premiere date has been set, and Jordan was last seen on HBO's Fahrenheit 451 television movie, or telemovie, or movie vision adaptation of Creed 2, opening later this year. So what do you think there, Grant? I think I'd give it a shot. Rooster Teeth has a, an incredible track record, if you really break it down, of content they've created, starting with Red and Blue, Red versus Blue and all the way to Ruby. Yeah, Red versus Blue is in like season 16. That it is it is ridiculous. That blows my mind. Honest uh, to God. And it blows my mind how much money I've given him over the years for that, too. <laughs> uh, moving on. Netflix has closed a deal with former U.S. President Barack Obama and former First Lady Michelle Obama to produce a series of movies for their streaming service. The pair will potentially work on scripted and unscripted series, as well as docu-series, documentary films, and features under this multi-year deal. President Obama said in a statement from the company, quote, oh, I can't, I, I can't do, I'm sorry, I can't do a President Obama impersonation. Uh, so I'll just read the quote. I'm, I'm not. All right. One of the simple joys of our time in public service was getting to meet so many fascinating oh, people. Oh, gosh. No, stop. Stop. <laughs> From all walks of life. And to help them share their experiences with a wider audience. That's why Michelle and I are so excited to partner with Netflix. And I hope to cultivate and curate the talented, inspiring, creative voices who are able to promote greater empathy and understanding between peoples and help them share their stories with the entire world. End quote. Man, if that didn't give me a bit of hope, I don't know what will. The Obamas uh, are the latest of the string of development deals Netflix has made in recent months, following on from the new deals with Shonda Rhimes and Ryan Murphy, amongst others. Uh, it will be good to hear, you know, a president that actually knows how to use syntax. Wouldn't that be great? Oh, my gosh. Anyway, that's what I have for TV. Grant, I know you have something for tech, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, today, my iPhone told me to do something. And I was like, iPhone, I'm the boss of you, not the other way around. Great story, Grant. Thanks. Uh, all right, uh, I guess this uh, closes up this segment of the Court of Nerds episode whatever, which I didn't say at the beginning. I'm a great host. <laughs> and so uh, I am going to throw it to you, Grant, to plug something of your choosing. Uh, well, gee whiz, we got a ton of different uh, podcasts on the Court of Nerds network. Uh, I know uh, Benzo recently did a That's So Braven where he covers some awesome stuff. And again, we are part of the All In tour that is coming up uh like put on by cody rhodes of all people uh and it's this incredible opportunity that we're really excited about uh we're covering that um we've got the regular cast with the the z team and you know we always like it when people rate us on itunes and whatnot you could find court of nerds very easily on itunes 
and just throw us a couple stars if you uh, like what we're doing, I guess you could say. All right. Uh, I'm going to plug the Reverse Centaurs cast because that's what I am currently thinking of, and I have a D20 right next to me. Uh, and so uh, listen to the Reverse Centaurs. Uh, we've recorded a few episodes of late, and they're all blending together where the DM puts uh, the hero of the series, Fripp Shallows, in some very mean and terrible situations that I'm sure all the listeners can empathize with him for. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's fun to put people in situations and see their reactions. And thankfully, you and Greg and Madge are just doing a fantastic job. And if anyone... I'm um, hosting! Stop stealing it from me! Sorry! I was just going to say, if anyone wants to send us an email about either the Court of Nerds and the rest of the show, you can send m- emails to courtofnerdspodcast at gmail.com or if you want to send us an email concerning the Reverse Centaur podcast, just send to reverse.centaurs at gmail.com. 